0: whoa wait a minute huh hold up what oh okay did we just lose the canucks
1: you're listening to halford and bruff
0: For the Canucks to center, drives down the left wing, shoots. Stopped by Quick and Besser, bats it out of midair across the goal line.
1: You can see the smile on Brock's face on uh, uh, the first one, and the second one is what he does. Like his hand, hand-eye coordination is so good that the, around the net, that's where he gets his goals. So I do think them in Vancouver talked about a Tyler Myers, Nikita Zaitsev type trade.
0: Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey dog. good morning. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you. Hello. Yes, good job, everybody. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are also coming to you live from the aforementioned Kintech Studios. Jason. Tell them more about Kintec, please. Oh,
1: Kintec Footwear and Orthotics. How we love you. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net.
0: Big show on a Monday. Uh, I say this quite often when I get excited about a sporting day, but this really is an amazing sports day. It runs the gamut. All the sports you can imagine. It's a, it's a veritable buffet, Jason. But also, it's pretty much all day. Mm-hmm. Game started at five o'clock this morning with England and Iran from the world cup in Qatar. And it'll run all the way till tonight, seven thirty tonight Canucks and golden Knights. So we got a lot to get into. Obviously uh, I need to tell you a couple of things here. One, our guest list for today, beginning at seven o'clock. He is our NFL insider from uh, football outsiders. He is also our Monday morning quarterback. Mike Tannier is going to join us at seven o'clock. We'll run through everything that happened in the NFL on Sunday Uh, 7.30, James Sharman, he is going to be our football insider, football of the European variety. Uh, You hear him on the Footy Prime podcast. He's going to be doing some work for Sportsnet uh, in and around the World Cup in Qatar. So he'll join us at 7.30. One game already in the books, and that was Ecuador beating Qatar in the opener yesterday. Right now, England is running roughshod over the Iranians. 3-0 England up on Iran uh, at the half. In Qatar, So one and a half games in the books. We'll talk to James Sharman about that at 7.30. 8 o'clock, it's IMAC. Ian McIntyre from Sportsnet is going to join us. We will look back on the Canucks win over Los Angeles on Friday. We will look ahead to tonight's game against Vegas with IMAC. So I mentioned, real quick, Canucks Vegas, 7.30 tonight. Nine other games in the NHL tonight. Six of seven Canadian teams in action. At the World Cup, you've got Iran and England on now. Netherlands and Senegal at 8.00. Wales and U.S. at 11. Monday Night Football. There's another great game uh, from Mexico. You're going to have the cards and Niners this evening. Bunch of NBA games as well. Okay, I'm tired. I'm out of breath. I just ran down everything. Take a quick pause. We'll come back and we'll tell you what happened.
1: Hey, did you guys see the game last night?
0: No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because i was. We, we know how busy your life can be. What happened? Did you missed that? What I realize this is your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. I realize a lot of you want to hear Canucks talk, but it is also the World Cup in Qatar right now. This soccer report is brought to you by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way. Jason, you put in the work this morning. You got into the studio early to watch England and Iran. I was here right at 5
1: a.m., and... I didn't need to be because just a few minutes into the match, uh, the Iranian keeper was nearly knocked right out by his own teammate, and they had, honestly, if you see the video, I'm sure you will later, it was like a sickening head-to-head collision, and the Iranian keeper was down for a while, ultimately had to be subbed out, but it took like 15 minutes for them to figure it yeah. out. So the backup keeper had to come in, and England, not immediately, but almost immediately, started scoring. Uh, Jude Bellingham scored a really nice uh, header goal. Uh, is that what you call them, a header goal? Sure. A header goal. For the purposes of this, why not? And then they added two more, and it was uh, 3-0 England very quickly. So England looks like they're going to get their first win of the tournament later on today in that same group, USA wheels. That's going to be an interesting one because frankly, the winner of that one could be the country that advances out of this group because I think Iran is probably going to finish last in this group. And by the way, none of the Iranian players sang the anthem Hmm. and that is a big deal. If you've been paying attention to what's going on, Back in Iran, um, you know, we, we talked about how there's all these rivalries in this group with England-Wales, obviously, and uh, England-USA, mm-hmm. and USA-Iran, and, you know, like, just it's the geopolitical group. Yes. But the most interesting rivalry right now might be with the Iranian people and their government. At any rate, uh, that's where we stand with the World Cup. Look at you.
0: That was an entire soccer report, courtesy of Bruff. With mm-hmm. some politics in there, right? There, yes. This can I just, so- just note as well, when I got in this morning, Bruff was watching the game completely in pitch black, Yeah, just like in the dark. All I could see was his silhouette on the screen. You should put that screenshot out there so everyone understands the hustle and the grind. I, I will. It's, it's, it's also it's, kind it's, of terrifying. It, yeah. it, it, it freaked me out a little bit. I had to <laughs> yeah. stop for a second. I'm like, who is that? Uh, this soccer report was brought to you by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed pro all the way. Okay. Let's get into what happened over the weekend. The Canucks won on Friday night. Brock Besser scored his first two goals of the season. 4-1 win for the Canucks over the Kings on Friday night at Rogers Arena. So that's two wins. A modest little win streak for the Canucks going into tonight's game against the Vegas Golden Knights.
1: It was a downright raucous Rogers Arena. I was, you know... the with my blue collar on i was sitting in the upper deck uh joe fan out there and we all uh, none of us uh, of course purchased anything from the concessions because we all brought our lunch pails right and that's uh that's what we had you some had alcohol so, in your thermoses so, some
0: people had soup what's the what's the plural of thermoses is, is it was thermosi yeah thermi that's what i thought just thermi. the thermi <laughs> okay thermi good
1: Uh, two goals for Brock Besser and 37 saves for Thatcher Demko. I am not sure who needed those performances more, but it sure was welcome. Uh, Brock Besser got the nod from Cheech because he was the first star. Right. And then Elias Pettersson, who had two goals uh, himself, another strong game. He's up to 22 points in 18 games. He's been so good this season. I think he's been the best Canuck. Uh, Actually, I don't think. I I know he's been the best Canuck. Uh, Was the second star, and then Thatcher Demko – again with those 37 saves uh was named the third star by Cheech obviously a bit of goaltender jealousy goaltender rivalry there I thought Demko was going to get first star just because of his performance in the third period he did get a bit lucky that the kings hit some posts and crossbars but from my perch
0: yes again <laughs> with with the lay people yeah. with
1: with the you know with the uh the hardcore fans up in the upper deck uh, Demko did seem to dial it in more and more as the game went on. Uh Hughes keeps piling up the assists. He's up to 16 in 14 games. And when it was all said and done, Bruce Boudreaux, the under-fire head coach, called it the Canucks' best game of the year. And for me, it was reminiscent of, remember this a few weeks ago? Almost a month ago, actually. 5 1 win over Pittsburgh October 28th. The arena was jumping that night, too. So, the challenge now for the Canucks is to follow it up yeah. with a solid performance because there is actually quite a few um, parallels. Uh, do you remember before the Pittsburgh game, they got their first win of the season, and that was over Seattle. Yeah. But people were like, yeah, they didn't really play that well. Super so, scrambly. So the Pittsburgh game, people were like, no, they they genuinely played well, and they deserved that. Well, the, uh, the, the win over the Kings was preceded by a win over Buffalo, and people were kind of like, yeah, like. Congratulations for winning, but it was Buffalo, and frankly, like you nearly blew a three-goal lead. It wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a perfect win by any means. After the Pittsburgh game, New Jersey came to town, and I don't think the Devils have lost since. No, but they thoroughly dominated the Canucks. The challenge now for the Canucks. Coming into Rogers Arena, one of the best teams in the league in the Vegas Golden Knights. And if you're going to that game, just a reminder, it's a 7.30 start tonight. So can the Canucks make it three in a row, or are they going to fall back Mm -hmm. into old patterns, which they have already a few times this season?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, there's another uh, thing to consider about that, too, is that you mentioned the aforementioned and only other multi-game win streak, and it was another two-game win streak against Seattle and Pittsburgh. Uh, Demko and Martin split those victories as well, just like they did here, right? It was Martin against Buffalo. It was Demko against LA. I assume that it will be Demko going oh, against tonight. Got it. You, you have ha- to. You, have you to really, build played on well. Take a yeah. rest. You know what? We tried this last time. It didn't work great. For the sake of argument, they went Demko in Seattle, Martin in Pittsburgh. You remember? And Then there was a bit of talk. It's like, well, wait, should Martin Martin get another game because he played so well against Pittsburgh? Oh, you they went with, with Demko, Demko. against uh, the Devils, and they got blown out of the water. Now, I will say this. Um, I don't think all of us realized just how good New Jersey was going to be at the time. That was when New Jersey was on a rocket ship to the moon. And it's apparently never going to lose another hockey game again. They're
1: at Mars now.
0: Yeah, it's incredible how good they are. And I do wonder what kind of, I'm with you on this, what kind of response are you going to get? Because this season so far has been a series of fits of starts and stops with the Canucks. It's just when they look like they might have a little bit of momentum going, it collapses. And that's happened within games with the multiple multi-goal-blown uh, leads. It's happened when you think you get a good performance and it's followed up by a shoddy one. And that's also happened a period to period. And then really, I think a lot of people assumed that when they got those two wins again against the Kraken and the Pens, I think people thought that, okay, you're, you remember they went home. They had New Jersey, Anaheim, Nashville. They thought that would get a chance for the team to get on a run. That's going to be really tough for the Canucks to do now because their schedule coming up over the next week is a murderer's row. They go Vegas, Colorado, Vegas over their mm-hmm. next three games. So the idea, the optimism of getting on a run, that's tough. At the same time, this is, you know, I, I, I'm splitting hairs as to what their best game of the season was. It's not like there's a lot of candidates. It was either the it's one in Pittsburgh yeah. or... or <laughs> you have two choices here. Pittsburgh or LA. Yeah, so, I mean, it was a great performance. And you mentioned Demko getting some bounces and getting some breaks going his way. One, he needed it in Mm -hmm. the worst way. And two, I do wonder, this is no sort of statistical analysis or really even bright analysis, but those are the kind of things that when you see them happen to a guy, they do have a knock-on effect. So hopefully he's got his game in order now. We'll wait and see, though, till tonight. And a good reminder, 7.30.
1: So if you're looking at the standings right now, uh, Vancouver has 15 points out of 18 games. There's a bunch of teams around them. Uh, They're only three points out of a wildcard spot, but they'd have to leapfrog a bunch of teams. Um, Interesting that St. Louis now occupies the second wildcard spot. The Blues, after that really bad start, where people are like, what's wrong with O'Reilly? And what's wrong with Cairo? And like, is Berube going to get fired? They've won six in a row. Yeah, Them and the Devils. Two teams that have had talk about their coach getting fired. Like, Lindy Ruff is probably going to win coach of the year after having his name chanted, fire Lindy. Sorry, Lindy. Yeah, uh, I remember I predicted that Lindy would be – like, this is before the season that he'd be the first coach fired. Um, so, it's funny how these teams can turn it around. So, I guess if you're holding out hope for the Canucks to turn it around, there have been other teams that have done it, like St. Louis. They've now won six in a row. They're 9-8. and eight. They're over 500. Uh Calgary – Calgary, Nashville, Minnesota, and Saint Louis. They're all tied essentially for that final wild card spot uh with eighteen points. Um I, I know it's it's early to go over the standings. Yeah. Like I, I get people like, Why are you going over the standings right now? Well, US Thanksgiving is coming up. Right? It's this week. It's on Thursday. Get ready for some football.
0: Andy, it's American Thanksgiving on Thursday. The best
1: Thanksgiving. Yeah, and we typically look at that date as, you know, 80% of teams that are in the playoffs at that point typically make the playoffs.
0: Okay, um, on the subject of teams that are struggling right now, one of them is another Canadian team, the Ottawa Senators. They are in action against San Jose tonight. And the Sens and the Canucks, uh, they got together in a trade rumor over the weekend, courtesy of Sportsnet's very own Elliot Friedman. Uh, It was on the panel during the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast on Saturday. The Canucks apparently discussed a deal involving Tyler Myers and Sens defenseman Nikita Zaitsev. For more, we'll go to the audio now. Laddie, we got this ready. Uh, This is Elliot Friedman. On the apparent Zaitsev for Myers trade that has been discussed.
1: I do think them in Vancouver talked about a Tyler Myers, Nikita Zaitsev type trade. I don't think it ever got to Myers. My buddy Rick Badalawal reported that he didn't turn down a trade. I don't think it ever got to him. I do think the two teams talked about it. It would give Vancouver a bit of cap relief, Ottawa help on defense. I don't know where it stands right now if it can be revived, but it was at some level discussed. So Tyler Myers has a 10-team no-trade list. That's according to Cap Friendly, which he would have submitted in the summer on July 1st. So it's possible, I suppose, that Myers didn't even have to reject the trade if Ottawa was already on his list. Um, Zaitsev's last game with the Senators was actually against the Canucks. He's really struggled Mm -hmm. this season. He was placed on waivers. I guess he's... Is he down in the AHL right now? I imagine he is. Uh, I feel like the Canucks would only do this trade if they'd given up on the season because say what you will about Tyler Myers. And a lot of people say some mean stuff, uh, but it's hard to see the Canucks thinking Zaitsev is an upgrade on Myers or even equal to it. I wonder if this is a trade that I don't know, could get revisited later on. I know the Sens probably are at the point where they're like, well, should we be trying to salvage our season? But Both these players have one year after this one left on their contracts. The difference is Tyler Myers has a higher cap hit.
0: Yeah, so just to clear up a couple of points there, Nikita Zaitsev is currently a member of the Belleville Senators, although I don't know if he's actually playing. He just cleared waivers on the 18th, and he's only been down – Technically speaking, with the team for a handful of days, he also has a 10-team no-trade list, although you think at this point he'd be willing to waive to pretty much go anywhere to get back in the NHL. But yeah, this is very clearly a proposed deal that is going to solve some cap issues for the Canucks. And if we go back to some of the things that Jim Rutherford said, perhaps, I don't know if infamous is the right word, but infamously on Sportsnet 650 a couple of weeks ago, there was that allusion to maybe all of our problems get solved after this season. Or maybe we work towards next season where we clear cap space, um, not just during this campaign, but also during the offseason.
1: I always thought the Canucks would wait on Tyler Myers until the offseason just because I thought they could actually get an asset for him if they were willing to pay his bonus next season. And the way his contract is structured next season is – he gets a 5 million dollar signing bonus so assuming that bonus is paid out on July 1st and I don't 100% have that information but just assuming it is then a team out there could get a right shot defenseman for 1 million in cash and no obligations after this if you know if the salary cap isn't a concern for that team like let's say it's i don't know whatever Arizona or Columbus or Chicago or sure team Ottawa even that has room there then I'm just wondering if the connect should wait on that until they could actually get an asset for Tyler Myers
0: I guess it really depends on how other teams view Myers yep. right because he's obviously going to in the case of Ottawa they're going to get an upgrade on their blue line because Zaitsev's you know not playing on it but um the contract is obviously going to be an anchor moving forward even if with the aforementioned. I don't think next season it won't be next season <laughs> No, it's especially if the Canucks pay the bonus. Yeah, I mean, well, the cap hit's a cap hit, right? I mean, that remains regardless. So, I, you know, I'll I'll be very curious to see if the Canucks do this in season. Remember, we're just talking about the potential framework of a deal here, right? We don't know all the X's and O's. And it was just rumored to be at the speculation point. I would not be surprised if this came from the Ottawa side of things because Pierre Dorian has been very outspoken about turning over every stone to try and find a defenseman. So this could just be a thing where he's like, yes, I inquired with Vancouver about Tyler Myers.
1: So the Vegas Golden Knights tonight, uh, the Golden Knights are coming off a 4-3 OT loss Saturday in Edmonton where it was Connor McDavid that played the hero in sudden death with <laughs> – it was an amazing goal. He's, he's yeah. such a terrific hockey player. Yeah. Uh, the Golden Knights, record-wise, have been scuffling a bit lately. They've lost three of their last four. But overall, I think we all know that the Vegas Golden Knights have been really good this season. If you watch the game against uh, the Oilers on Saturday, it was Vegas that was arguably the better team against the Oilers. But the Oilers have the aforementioned Connor yeah. McDavid – Uh, They're currently dealing with their first true injury of this season in Nicholas Roy. Wah. Did they say Roy? I think Roy. I I always like Roy. Hi, Roy. Uh, Which leaves them a little bit thinner in their bottom six, but overall the Knights have been a billion times healthier than last season. And what do you know? They've been winning most of their games. You know, They had crazy injuries last season. Mm Mm-hmm. I know they're not the perfect team and they did have issues, but if you look at one team last season that could use injuries as an ex- as excuses, yeah. it was the Vegas Golden Knights. I assume we will see Logan Thompson in goal for Vegas after Aiden Hill got the start in Edmonton and Thompson, as Laddie will tell you, has been excellent this season. Give also a- it is
0: Wah, by the way. Nicola Wah. It is Wah. Nicola Rah. Wah. Rah- rah- rah-wah. Rah- rah-wah. Rah- rah. Uh Tell me a little bit more about this goaltending tandem out of Vegas, uh, Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson. Yes, uh, Thompson is the the main guy. I I want to say Aiden Hill is a bit underrated in my eyes. Uh, I don't know, just a good positional goaltender, a bigger guy, and uh, Thompson's a little flashier of the two. He is actually a really good story. He was playing U Sports a couple of years ago, right? And worked his way back to the NHL, and yeah, it's it's not the the position they thought he'd be in at this point in his career, but he's been good. He's been He's been solid for them up to this point. So that rotating uh, carousel of coaches, right? So uh, Cassidy leaves Boston, goes to Vegas. They take off on a rocket ship. He's been great. Jim Montgomery replaces him in Boston. They've been one of the best teams in the NHL. Pete DeBoer... Leaves Vegas, goes to Dallas. They're on fire to start the season. So it's like one of those weird things yeah. where every everything worked out. All the coaches got that, that that new coach bounce going into their new places.
1: So I just wanted to mention that the Gray Cup was played yesterday, and it was a very entertaining finish after a bit of a meh start in Regina. Lots of empty seats in Regina. Did they not get the memo that the game <sighs> was on? Like, yeah. What it was- I thought – here's what I thought. I, I thought that – it was going to be full because Winnipeg. Yeah, it did not go. Was in it. I thought they might have concerns if BC had upset Winnipeg in the Western Final, and then all the Winnipeg fans would be like, "I don't want to go to Regina and watch the BC Lions play the Toronto Argonauts." But it was weird to watch that that game with with a lot of empty seats. But at any rate, congratulations to the Toronto Argonauts who went eleven and seven during the regular season, and because they played in the East. They got that first round bye, then they beat Montreal and then everyone said, Oh, you, you guys are gonna get mm-hmm. you're gonna get smoked by the bombers. The bombers are looking for the third straight Great Cup. The bombers are a dynasty. Well, the dynasty fell short and the bombers won by a single point they yeah. won by a rouge
0: yeah and it was uh a, a tough game for the MOP Zach Kalaros, who did not look good at all and look at oh, he was very injured but I didn't realize his arm was injured it was actually a really you know what <clears throat> I can't remember the well, last he didn't time. look
1: good in the western final either
0: no he and I think that's where he really got banged up right the the Lions did a good job of making the game physical for him again we don't want to belabor the gray cup too much because there's a million things that went on this weekend all due respect to the Canadian football league but I watched the game I was at a sort of pseudo gray cup slash birthday party don't get many of those these days and uh, it was it was entertaining I think it was almost um, it was almost shocking to me to see how few people there were at Mosaic Stadium to be honest because the game delivered it looked like it was a lot of fun yeah it was unbelievably cold but you put a gray cup in the prairies especially in Saskatchewan or Manitoba and you expect a really hearty turnout it just wasn't there
1: well they're two great finishes in football because after the gray cup you had the Chiefs and the Chargers and I think everyone knew when the Chargers scored with a minute and a half left in the game, <laughs> and then they made the extra point, so it was a four-point game. That Patrick Mahomes was still going to win that game. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey were going to yeah. take that minute and a half and march down the field and score a touchdown, and the poor Chargers. We we'll lose another tough one, and that is exactly what happened. How much NFL did you watch yesterday?
0: Uh, yeah, I managed to binge enough. Uh, we had a couple TVs going during during the Grey Cup, so that and then we got to watch the tail end of that game. So, hey, that
1: was a good call by you on the Vikings. Really good um, lock really of good. the week. Really he, uh, yeah, I remember you, you went into that, and and I'll, I will uh, uh, concede some guilt on this too because we were like, yeah, the Vikings as home underdogs against the Cowboys, like. Man, like Dak, Dak, I I called out Dak Prescott, and mm-hmm. some texter texted in and uh, was like, "You're crazy, man! That you, you're you crazy, were, you're crazy." And I'm like, "I like you, but you're crazy." Uh, Dak was really good uh, yesterday, and what? I actually tweeted out if if and this is a huge if if Dak Prescott can play the way he did against the Vikings, I think the Cowboys are the best team in the NFC. I think they should go to the Super Bowl. That defense, yeah, it's good. It's but, always been incredible. Like it, not always, but like you know, this year. It's been kind of a consistent, but the question marks have been at quarterback with, first of all, Dak's yep. health early on. And do you remember everyone was like, well, maybe they should run with Cooper Rush, right? It was, it was insane, but that was out there. And then Dak, has, he's just, sometimes you just watch him play and you're like, he doesn't look that impressive. Well, he looked impressive yesterday and the Vikings did not.
0: So for those that don't know. Uh, I took the Vikings plus one and a half at home saying that it was a disrespect line that they were getting slapped in the face by odds makers for being one and a half point home dogs after beating Buffalo. They lost uh, 40 to three. I repeat 40 to three. In a game which wasn't prime time, but given the way Kirk Cousins played it, it sure felt like a prime time game they, an embarrassing like debacle of a game to do that at home after the big win in Buffalo, they were so unhinged i don 't know if you saw the stat that was floating around, but in the third quarter alone, they took six penalties for fifty four yards like how many times they were just completely unglued.
1: How many times did cousins get sacked like uh, ag- aggressively sacked too. Maybe it wasn't as many as it just seemed and
0: Armstrong had two sacks each. I can't remember how much total they had, but that's the biggest road win in uh, Dallas Cowboys franchise history too, by the way, 40 to three. Mm -hmm. So in the history of this great franchise, America's team, they've never had that big of a road win before. gives you an idea.
1: I think it must've been the worst home loss in Vikings history. Yeah.
0: Well, one of them anyway, very rarely do you come in with that kind of hype and then put up that kind of an egg. Uh, We've got a lot more to get to. There's a bunch of stories that we haven't even touched on yet. And that's good because we have an entire Half-hour segment coming up where we can do all Halbro all the time. The second half is now underway between England and Iran from the World Cup in Qatar. England is up 3-0 on Iran going into the second half, so we'll keep eyes on that throughout. A reminder, there are a couple other games today. Uh, The Netherlands is going to take on Senegal, and then Wales is going to take on the U.S. in the second game of this group here. Do you remember the last time that Wales was in the World Cup? 1956, but I don't remember it because it was... (laughs) 23 years before I was born. Do you know who scored the goal that
1: eliminated Wales in the quarterfinals? I do, but I'll let you say it. 17-year-old Pele. Yeah, that's
0: crazy. (laughs) It's been a while.
1: Everyone was talking about Canada's uh, drought at the World Cup was 30 years. Wales had a far longer drought at the World Cup.
0: Canada had nothing on the Welsh on this one. It's crazy that it took them that long to get back, but they are back today, Gareth Bale and company. Uh, 11 o'clock. We're going to be at the Hollywood Theatre for all of this, I remind you the historic and renovated Hollywood Theatre. The World Cup watch parties are going to be on. We're going to be there on Wednesday, November 23rd for Canada-Belgium. We're also going to be doing some stuff with England House as well. Uh, We'll be promoting that throughout the show. Maybe we can do a giveaway today as well for some tickets to the Friday match where it's going to be England and the U.S. in the geopolitical group. Uh, All this is coming up. Throughout the show, we got a big show, a lot to get into. We got to take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, More what happened as we run down a very busy weekend in the world of sports. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. 6.33 on a Monday. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. It is not uh, too early to be playing this because England is absolutely running roughshod over the Iranians at the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. It is now 4-0 in the 64th minute. Bukayo Saka with the second of the match. It looks as though, one, England is on their way to an opening match victory in Qatar. Two, it looks as though Gareth Southgate is ready to empty the bench because it looks like there's a triple sub Coming on. So dream start for England, really. Not only do they get the victory in relatively easy fashion. uh, Iran just pulled one back for one now. Um, So not only do they get the start that they want, they'll also get a chance to rest a lot of players and make these substitutions freely because this game is pretty much in the bag.
1: So just looking ahead to the first week of the World Cup, obviously for everyone in Canada, Wednesday is the big day. Canada versus Belgium. Uh, 11 a.m. start our time, which I believe is a 10 p.m. start in Qatar. Correct.
0: I think it's a little bit hot there. I've heard it's a little bit hot. 10 p.m., it's a little cooler, yeah, I've been told. A little Actually, cooler. I, I have no idea.
1: Um, obviously, right now is uh, England-Iran. And we mentioned earlier in the show that uh, the U.S. and Wales is at 11 a.m. And that's a big match for each of those teams. If there's a group of death, it's probably that group with England, Iran, U.S., and Wales. Um, The Wales-USA match could easily determine those two sides' fate, uh, just assuming England wins the group. Um, There isn't, and we talked about this last week, there isn't really a heavyweight battle in the first week of the World Cup. Germany-Japan before Canada's game on Wednesday is maybe noteworthy. There's England-USA on this Friday, which will be fun. Please come to the Hollywood to watch that with us. Uh, England house. That's what we're hosting. England house. Yes, uh, But looking at the, uh, at the games, the first day that really pops is Saturday when you've got Denmark and France and most of all, Argentina, Mexico, Canada's second game is Sunday at 8. AM. And let's talk about this for a bit because that might be their most important game. Um, with all due respect to their first game against Belgium. That one's at 8 a.m. and it's followed by Spain and Germany. So Sunday yeah. will be a good World Cup game, but or World Cup Day, but Canada with their injury concerns, and we can discuss whether or not their real injury concerns, they go Belgium, mm-hmm. Croatia, and then Morocco. Now there is a possibility out there, and I wouldn't even call this a slim possibility. I would call this a very real possibility that Canada's match with Morocco will be meaningless because there's a possibility that the Croatians take bus- take care of business against uh, Morocco and Canada. The Belgians take care of business against Morocco and Canada, and then it's settled. Belgium and and Croatia would go forward, and and Canada and Morocco would would already be eliminated by the time their match kicks off.
0: Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people maybe that aren't Canadian supporters or quite frankly are just trying to handicap this thing or assuming will happen, is that it's going to be a cakewalk for Belgium and Croatia through the group, and then that third match will be. Honestly, uh, I think a lot of people see it as that's the one where Canada might get its first goal in World Cup history, might get its first win ever at the World Cup. I've seen some other... There's a lot of examples of countries doing that in that final game where it's meaningless, but it becomes their World Cup. However, uh, there are some interesting things to take note of. So the injury the injury concerns that you were talking about, those kind of got alleviated yesterday. All three of the guys that Canada had said picked up knocks, so that's the goalie, Milian Borean, Uh, Star midfielder Stephanie Stakil and of course Alfonso Davies, all three of them trained essentially in full yesterday at the the Sunday training session with Canada. Alfonso Davies did an interview with TSN's James Duthie and said, like, very, as a matter of fact, like, I'm healthy, I'm ready to go, I'm good to start against Belgium on Wednesday.
1: But we're still a little bit concerned about that considering he, we all know that this was a legitimate injury because it happened just a few weeks ago and he missed games for Bayern, and he hasn't played a game since that injury. Right,
0: yeah, it's been two weeks. shelf. didn't play against Japan. Yeah, it's been two weeks on the shelf. I mean, here's the thing.
1: The hamstring, like I imagine that's important to being the fastest player at the World Cup. You need your hamstrings, yeah.
0: but I mean, if he's going to come out publicly after his coach was, and let's be real here, Herman's trying to play mind games, which I think is kind of unnecessary, but uh, I think he's very much trying to be coy about what is starting. Or we you know we could be coming in down a man or underhanded because they're playing against a Belgian team that, to be honest, um, doesn't have a lot working for it in terms of momentum coming into this match. They lost. Their last friendly prior to the World Cup to Egypt, 2-1. They didn't play a full lineup. I think the most important thing for them, and it's really being understated because their depth of squad, but Romelu Lukaku won't be up front for the first two matches mm-hmm. for uh, Belgium. Now, everyone's kind of said, well, look at the p- players they can bring off the bench and what kind of talent and depth they had throughout the squad. But Lukaku's a different class of striker. Yeah, he's been hurt almost the entire year, but he scored a lot of goals for Belgium. Without him, you go to uh, Mishi Bashuai who used to play for Chelsea in the Premier League. He was a good player, but he's now on the wrong side of 30, if I'm not mistaken, and he plays in Turkey. So it's a drop-off in Poland. Uh, Fenner, Fenner Bocce. Fenner it. Yeah, I knew so. it started with Fenner. See, there you go. You're getting it. You're getting the international game. So I think I'm not super optimistic about getting a result, but mm-hmm. I do think that there's a variety of things that are breaking in Canada's favor that could make this interesting at the least. They want to score early. They want to hang on. And then maybe you get, I've called them banana peel games before, right? So maybe for Belgium, that's what this is. But let's
1: say that Canada doesn't
0: beat Belgium, like
1: regardless whether they
0: lose 2-1 or 4-0 or or whatever. Um, That Croatia game really looms large. Yeah, if you're looking at it, honestly, and we've talked about this before, the goal for Canada is get out of the first two matches with Belgium and Croatia with one point. No matter who you get it against. doesn't matter how you get it. Mm-hmm. But if you can go into the Morocco match with the chance, knowing that a win will get you on four points and maybe advance you, that is a great, great place to be in. So hopefully they can do that over their first two games.
1: Uh, the World Cup kicked off yesterday. The host from Qatar lost 2-0 to Ecuador. In a match that was definitely a match of soccer. It was not good. Qatar became the first host team to lose their opening game of the tourney. I actually found that stat somewhat incredible. Yeah. To, uh, I don't know. Well, I'm okay. not going to go back and, uh, and see all the results. No, but let's,
0: let's relitigate every opening match from the World Cup over the last yeah. 92 years. Go. 1970. Oh, I thought he was going to do it in song or something. Yeah. He was excited. No. You thought
1: thought we had, like, a musical number? Yeah, like, in
0: 1913, somebody lost. In
1: 1986, they went to Mexico. (laughs)
0: Okay, We're not going to do this. We are not going to do this. Uh, I will say, in addition to everything else that uh, Qatar has been criticized for, almost off the pitch exclusively— Sunday was a friendly reminder that this is probably the worst team to ever play in a World Cup, the mm-hmm. Qatari national
1: team. Yeah. South Africa wasn't South great. Africa
0: won, remember? They didn't get out of the group, but they won their first match, and right. they put forth a pretty stirring effort mm-hmm. in that match. This was – they were bad, bad, Qatar. They – they are very graciously ranked 50th in the world by FIFA. Right. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but FIFA... That
1: ranking actually cost 100 million dollars yeah, to get Yeah, like into I don't know if you're 50.
0: aware of FIFA's history, but it's a bit of a corrupt organization. That ranking sponsored by Qatar, is what you're saying? <laughs> so
1: Well, the big news of the weekend came Saturday when FIFA president Gianni Infantino gave a, a real humdinger of a speech in which he shared the pain he felt as a child growing up with red hair and freckles. Wait, what? He also engaged in some fairly elite whataboutery. And some people call it whataboutism. I like whataboutery. I like whataboutery. It's funner to say. In defense of host nation Qatar. um, Do we have any of the audio from Infantino? Because it was, I mean, he basically said, I know what it means to be discriminated, to be bullied. Uh, as a foreigner in a foreign country, as a child at school, I was bullied because I had red hair and I had uh, freckles. Mm-hmm. And then he was basically... I, I, let's,
0: let's let us the audio speak for itself here, shall we? Here's and the, let me just say, though, I had to trim probably half of this because there's such large gaps in between him talking Yeah. that I had to trim this to, down about 20 seconds. But here's, uh, here's what he sounded like.
1: I have uh, very strong feelings. I can tell you that. Today I
0: feel uh,
1: Qatari. Today I feel Arab. Today I feel African. Today I feel uh, gay. Today I feel disabled. Today I feel uh, a migrant worker. Today I feel freckled. Michael Scott
0: write that intro? It was very,
1: very Michael Scott. Now, I do think that some of the criticism of this tournament have been... I don't know. Li- listen, the alcohol ban around stadiums honestly isn't a big deal. They already restrict the sale of alcohol in a lot of European stadiums. When I went to uh, the only England... Oh, not England game. I went to an Arsenal game a long time ago, like 20 years ago. And there was no... You yep. can't, couldn't buy beer in the stadiums. Like There's a long history of... I don't know if you you know this, but there's a long long history of hooliganism. In England, so it's they total. cut off they cut off the sale of alcohol in uh, in the actual stadiums. And I think, listen, if you travel to Qatar and expect to have alcohol served all over the place, like on every street corner, there's a beer mm-hmm. vendor. You maybe didn't do your research, yeah. and perhaps Budweiser has a right to be upset. But whatever, I'm sure they'll survive. Uh, but for I, for Infantino to brush aside human rights concerns, whether it's the safety of migrant workers or the fact that homosexuality is illegal mm-hmm. in Qatar and to do that because Europeans or European companies or the West has done some bad stuff too, it's just lame and it's kind of pathetic and his argument seem to be that Europe's history of atrocities disqualified anyone from the West from identifying the injustice Mm -hmm. that might be going on right now in Qatar. And when you host an event like the world cup, you have to expect some criticism. I'm sure Qataris aren't used to it because they've never hosted a a big event like this. They've never been the focus of the world's attention. Well, welcome to the big boys
0: club. That's what you paid all that money for, right? That's a good point to bring up is that if you take out what he's like, don't get me wrong. There is very clearly some xenophobic and quite frankly, anti Arabic sentiment to these criticisms. There's, and it's, you know, where it's coming from largely, um, disgruntled English and American press corps or the people that lost out on the bid to host this thing. Okay. Yep. That is definitely there. There's definitely a sentiment of this is a foreign world, it's a strange world. It's got, and I'm using strange in the sense of it's unique to either North Americans or English people. Cause those are the two that are really lobbing criticisms at them. I think, and I hate to give FIFA any praise and any credit whatsoever, but if you are going to quote unquote, grow the game, you do need to experiment outside of hosting the world cup in Europe, North America, South America, just going back in a circle. This is in, this is an experiment and it is, it's been sullied by uh, human rights violations and by very restrictive human rights conditions don't get me wrong. I'm not, and I'm not trying to play both sides here, but there were some. I mean, we both agree that this World Cup should not be in Qatar. Right. The, the, here's the thing. And you know who said that? Former FIFA president, Sepp Blatter. Right. I mean, and, and that's a big part of this is that if you take away all of those things that I just talked about and you look at straight on the merits of the bid and the merits of the place hosting, the World Cup is a massive event. It takes a lot to pull it off. It takes infrastructure, transportation, accommodations, stadiums. That a country of 2.9 million people, which is what Qatar is, quite frankly, just didn't have, and they're trying to put it together. It's the land the size of uh, I read this somewhere, PEI. Yeah, it's it's Connecticut. I think it's, it's like remarkably small. Yeah. But here's the thing: in some ways, that could
1: be cool, though. That, that's part of it. Could this. be the cool features, like the fact that it's such a small country. People who travel there all get to mix together, unlike most World Cups where. It's spread out across a huge company uh, country, like the last one was in Russia, um, or even multiple countries. Like, this next one will be in Canada, the United States, and Mexico.
0: Yeah, uh, it's, you know, I, I, it's, it's a delicate thing to talk about because I, it's very multifaceted, what's going on right now. The other thing to consider, and you brought up a good point, if you remove all the geopolitical and, like, vir- A lot of xenophobic undertones. And just look at this as a straight sporting event. This is what happens when you host a big event. Do you remember when the Olympics started in Vancouver? People were lined up to criticize because what it is is it's a foreign press corps coming in and looking at what kind of job you're going to do hosting. Mm -hmm. So they look at how easy it is to get around. They look at what kind of accommodations are there for people, for athletes, um, Wasn't there a
1: headline in the British press that said "Worst Olympics ever"?
0: It happens all the time because you know it's. And again, it's <laughs> the comic book guy wrote that or something. I, worst, worst Olympics ever. Olympics ever. Well, you'll remember the start of the Vancouver Olympics were such a dark time, yeah, because of the um, the incident that happened in Whistler with the skeleton. I can't remember what country he was from, and I apologize. Wasn't it the first Georgia? He was a Georgian. Georgian, yeah, yeah. Dying on yeah, dying on the first day of the Olympics. Yeah. So there have been. Uh, Again. This is a, a very unique thing where the world congregates on your country to watch this you know, weeks-long event, and there's going to be critics of it, and there's going to be critics of this, just like there was at the start of the World Cup in 2018 in Russia, and there will be honestly, when 2026 happens in the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. People will arrive, and there will be criticisms. You just don't know what they're going to be yet, although I imagine with the lens that we're currently in, there will be some geopolitical issues there as well.
1: Brandon in Coquitlam texts into the Dunbar-Lumber text line, what are they gonna do with the stadiums after that's a good question I have no
0: idea I mean this has been a this is an issue with get a uh, CFL the, team well think about Randy 20-
1: Ambrosio is thinking of <laughs> growing the game
0: yeah we're gonna start in Qatar no the, it wasn't this a big issue from the 2014 Olympics in uh russian sochi is that sochi got built out and now oh, they've yeah. got a bunch of venues that quite, they had a uh, khl expansion team there for a while that was going to try and play in one of the ice range This isn't happens there, with every big isn't tournament? there
1: yeah. a stadium in brazil that's essentially grown over because it's in the amazon yeah it was in a rainforest well the, the, yeah. the baseball
0: yeah. stadiums in greece when they had the olympics in greece right. are all grown over now because no one's well playing they should baseball get a major there. league baseball they franchise. should I mean, right yeah. they're Randy Abros, he's here. looking at all these empty places and he's like we could play canadian football there no, it's, it's very – and you know what's going to happen now, too, as I, we just kind of put a bow on this criticisms conversation. Um, these are all going to slowly go away for a variety of reasons. One, everyone that's there to cover the event is going to start covering the event, right? That mm-hmm. was the big – Sunday, it was the opening match for Qatar, and then there was nothing else. Yeah. Um, two, and I think that this is important, a lot of the journalists that are there have said what they're going to say. They really have. It de-
1: it depends though if um, there aren't there isn't new stuff that crops up. Well, they'll, they'll, like it, if there aren't yeah. continuing if the the fans there have to have a good time, and I saw some of the accommodations they've made these tent cities mm-hmm. where a lot of the fans are sleeping. They're obviously um, temporary uh, accommodations, and it's really hot. And there are some people that are going there, and I've seen some reports of of people like this is great. Like I'm I'm getting to mix with people from yeah all around the world and the fan villages and and and, and again all all the, everyone's together right. There's one city. There's one city in Qatar. Doha. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it's not like your your typical World Cup. So there are going to be people that have a great time and a really great experience meaning people from all over the world. But I fear there are also going to be a lot of people that are like, ah, it's too hot and I don't, there's no, the air conditioning's not, not, not working, et cetera, et cetera. So if that continues, Mm. and so for, for example, this morning, the FIFA app crashed. So people were using that for ticketing. Yeah, and and you know, so the England, uh, England-Iran England, had, had huge lineups outside the stadiums. Um, American fans couldn't transfer tickets to each other. So they're like, all right, well, I'm going to send you the tickets. We'll see you there. Yeah. They couldn't do that. So there are these technical glitches that are happening, and everyone in the media is just laser-focused on these issues because you get a few days to, to work out the kinks, mm-hmm. but if those kinks don't get worked out, and there are ongoing issues, yeah. people will continue to focus well, on. Well, you
0: bring up a really good point there because someone just texted in unsigned, so it must be from Gary. He said, What is this? Fire Festival? Um, so, just so we're clear, it is essentially a festival type uh, setup with accommodations and at atmosphere. Like I was watching a few interviews from B- the BBC yesterday where they were doing their streeters or in this case, deserters like they were in the desert talking yeah. to people. And some people said, look, we signed up for this knowing that this was going to be the type of atmosphere that it was going to be more yeah. of a festival. We're outside. They're like, look, the weather it's warm. You can sleep in a tent and it's not that big of a deal. It's still ridiculously expensive, but some people signed up for that. The question is going to be, have you seen the end of a festival? Have you seen the end of what? what you know, have you seen the, the the bitter end of Woodstock and all the other outdoor festivals where people are hot and dirty and tired and you know the the surroundings get more and more filthy and there's more and more garbage and it just it's tough. Shared accommodations, shared uh, washroom facilities, shared showering facilities. Is that going to hold up? Or is it going to be a grind on the people that are there for an extended period of time? Yeah, for a whole month, no less. Most most festivals are like, you know, I mean, a you, week or two. When you were, I'm sure you played a couple, like, decent-sized festivals when you were on the, on the touring Woodstock, circuit. You played Woodstock, didn't you? Yeah, did you, yep. you were, yeah, yeah, Woodstock was great. You were well, the closing I mean, act yeah. of Woodstock. It was we, you and we, Joe Cocker. We played, like, Warp Tour and stuff. And, yeah. like, we needed obviously a lot of people, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't uh, last a month.
1: It just takes a lot of organization to, to pull these things off. Oh, and it's, it's not huge. like Qatar has yeah. a lot of experience hosting these types of events. And right now they've got arguably the biggest event you can host. So, the first hour of the Halford and Bruff show on a Monday is just wrapping up. We started talking about the Vancouver Canucks. We've mentioned the World Cup. We talked a little NFL. We mentioned how the Grey Cup was very entertaining. Uh, Adam Svensson, BC boy mm-hmm. from Surrey, gets his first. PGA Tour win. So, congratulations to Adam Svenson. I'm not sure where he plays out of. I was actually searching for this last night. Where is his home club? If he's from Surrey, I have a feeling it might be like Morgan Creek or something like that. But if anyone knows, text into the show, text into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650, 650. So, if we have run the gamut, yep. uh, now the seven o'clock hour, we're going to move to our guest, Mike Tannier, talk a little uh, NFL. James Sharman, about half an hour after that, talk a little more World Cup, all the things going on in the World Cup. England's performance today, England is now up 5-1.
0: Marcus Rashford with the fifth English goal.
1: On the Iranians, uh, we'll talk about Canada preparing for Belgium and just the World Cup overall. And then 8 o'clock, Ian McIntyre will join us, talk about the Vancouver Canucks, their big win, the good vibes win. Friday over the LA Kings, and can they continue that on tonight against a very good Vegas Golden Knights team? So stick with us on Sportsnet 650. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show.